Is the iPhone 12 going to tempt you, Will? You feel tempted? I like the mini version. Could I describe you as tempted? Of course, yeah. <laughs> the mini is tempting. Well, your answer is a little bit different than some of the others, but uh, we got a report here. Tom's Guide. Yeah. iPhone 12 could tempt a third of Android users to switch. One third. Oh. I guess you're in that camp because you just say you're already tempted. Mm -hmm. Imagine that. Uh, the number one reason is not around the mini version. In fact, I don't know that it went into that level of granularity with the questioning. Mm -hmm. You had about 2,000 U.S. Android users. They were surveyed by online marketplace Sell Sell. That's S-E-L-L-C-E-L-L. And 33.1% uh, said they'd consider swapping to an iPhone 12. Huh. And the reason they said is uh, pretty simple. They, 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 uh, they like the software support on, on iPhone. They think they might get software. better taken care of with the software support and the, and the updates to the software down the road. Okay. People are, they're worried, I guess, about being abandoned on Android. Yeah. Yeah. Although, on the Android side of things, you've had companies like Samsung come out and say, no, no, no. We're going to give you a guaranteed amount of upgrades. They've started doing this recently. Yeah, that one UI. And, of course, on a Pixel, if you were to pick a Google Pixel, then presumably you're also in the upgrade camp. But I see where people are coming from. You ask the general public. You ask 2,000 U.S. citizens on Android. Mm. General public. They might be sitting there saying, I don't know, for some reason, it feels like uh, if I'm inside of the Apple universe, maybe I'll be better taken care of. A sentiment, huh. a feeling. Uh -huh. It's possible. I mean, that's what people answered. And in fact, 55.9% uh, of 680 respondents said it was the longer software support that iPhones offer that would fuel their decision to defect from the Android army, according to this article. 48% of respondents touted better privacy protection as one of the reasons. Is that how they sound? Yeah, that's how they sound. Oh. They say, I got to get that privacy as well. Anyway, there's a graph there uh, citing the various reasons. Software support at the top, privacy number two, and then a variety of others. Oh, there's compact form factor, Will. 251 responses. Hmm. That's you. Yeah, that's like third place. That's like you right there. Not bad. So you're in there somewhere. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. Looking for a smaller phone. It's become, I mean, we've talked about this. On the Android side, everything keeps scaling up. We have a few uh, outliers, like the recent Sony device that I covered, the 5 Mark II, Xperia mm -hmm. 5 Mark II, where they go they go slender with it. They go small with it. But it's increasingly difficult to find. And, and I mean, you almost never find a tiny Android phone for, at the flagship level. Mm -hmm. But we've talked a lot about this upcoming iPhone 12 mini, how I think that's going to be the heavy hitter of the bunch. Yes. Volume-wise. Because I saw what happened with the SE, and it seemed like some people are going to be excited about it. Yes. You go big, you go small, you go big, you go small. Thing feels new. Mm -hmm. So, anyway, look, I don't know. There's obviously so much more to the conversation. There's obviously so much more when it comes to buying something instead of just answering a survey. When you got to put your money where your mouth is. And the truth is, even that entry-level iPhone 12 is still going to be 650 700 depending what you do with it. Yeah. 
And there's plenty of Android phones that cost less than that mm-hmm. still. So cost is still going to come into question. Although I suppose, uh, you know, you might be looking at, what would you be looking at? Maybe you're looking at that Samsung FE, the uh, Galaxy S20 Fan Edition. Mm-hmm. Maybe uh, maybe you're looking at what OnePlus is going to do with this 8T. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you're looking at something cheaper like the Nord that they put out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's choices, yep. definitely, at lower price points if a person wants to stay in, in the uh, Android camp. But part of it will, I'm telling you, man, if you're a tech fan, tech enthusiast, part of it is just switching it up, Yeah. too. I mean, I can speak from experience because I switch it up all the time. Yeah. And so, you know, that should have been one of the answers that people could choose. One of them should have just been, hey, I'd like to switch it up. Mm-hmm. But that one's not in there because that you would fit in that one, too. Yeah, I would like to try out a different ecosystem. You might just want to switch it up mm-hmm. and go with the tiny iPhone. But anyway, let me ask the audience if you're an Android user. You let me know. We'll have our own tally, our own toggle down in the comment section here. Are you tempted to switch to the iPhone 12 if you're an Android user? Let me know down in the comments. Or maybe you're not tempted. Maybe you say, there's no way. Mm. I'll never be tempted. You let me know. Apple filed a new trademark. I believe it was filed in Hong Kong. It got people thinking a little bit. Speaking of uh, wanting to mix it up and try out different things. How about this trademark? iPhone for life. Mm. Yeah, you will not be. Switching it up. Hmm. You'll be using this iPhone here for life. We got you for life. Yeah. Now, at first you read that and you sit there and you think to yourself, my goodness, don't they have enough already? Why they got to have my, I got to have an iPhone for life now. Hmm. Uh, you read into it, you could imagine scenarios in which they would market, want to market something like that, maybe to do with the trade-ins and things like this, mm-hmm. where you would uh, keep putting your, old iPhone towards your new iPhone, or maybe you would be on a long-term payment plan that would just always reward you with the next iPhone. You'd be paying it off in increments. Yeah, finance. iPhone for life. However, uh, some who have looked into this or are speculating themselves, they just think it's a different terminology for the iPhone upgrade program in other places where that makes sense with the translation and things Mm. like this. So you have... uh, this language being trademarked in Hong Kong. But you can also see it used in a couple of uh, demo kind of uh, advertisements, I suppose, right there. City, Banamex, Peso. So they use it in Mexico by the looks of it. 359 pesos per month. Hmm. Get yourself a new iPhone. And there's another one there from Eti Salat, which I don't know what region that's in, but presumably they use that in another region. The best way to own a new iPhone every year. That's an iPhone for life. Mm. So I don't necessarily expect this terminology to roll out in places that have gone with the alternative iPhone upgrade program. I don't expect to see that. But how does this terminology make you feel? Well, do you feel, does it make you feel comforted? iPhone for life, that's me, Willie Do. Or... Is it terrifying, the idea of being stuck on one platform your whole life? I could see it in both ways. If you're like an iPhone user and you really like it, you know, I, I think iPhone for life, you can speak proudly of it. But uh, for me as an Android user, um, it's a bit shenanigans. It's weird. You're calling it shenanigans. Sounds it sounds weird. You're calling shenanigans. Yeah. You don't want Call an iPhone it. for life. No. No, neither do I. I want to pick and choose every single time. Yeah, you want agency. It's just more fun. You get to watch all the videos. You get to think about what you're going to use. It's part of being an enthusiast in the space, I think. 
is having the option at any given moment. Now, I understand they try to lock you in with the ecosystems. And, man, I just put out a video with the earbuds and the uh -huh. ecosystem and the software and the spatial audio. You should go check it out if you didn't see it yet. Had a lot of fun in that video. There are advantages. Absolutely. But I think, well, my, I would, I would die if I could only exist on one platform. Like, in other words, if I was trapped in iPhone for life or Android for life, mm -hmm. I would hate that feeling. I love the idea of having flexibility when it comes to trying out new tech products. Mm -hmm. There's always going to be benefits and drawbacks come with that. But I love that moment of thinking about that next everyday device. And knowing yeah. it's going to change real soon and knowing that I have the ability to do that as opposed to being trapped in any kind of payment program. That's me. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. You, you guys let me know. You guys let me know. You want to have an iPhone for life, you let me know. Speaking of iPhone for life, though, Apple added a new warning sign for uh, anybody who's got an iPhone for life. And this little, little warning dot is going to let you know if you're being spied on. It's going to let you know if your camera has been activated. going to let you know if your microphone has been activated. You know how people, they're always talking, Will, about how their phone is listening to them. They're always talking about how on Instagram somehow this ad came up. They were talking about a vacation, and then all of a sudden this ad came up about yeah. that vacation. And they said, honey, did we, did we ever type that in, or was it just the conversation we were having? And ah, you probably typed it in. Don't worry. You're like, do you work for them? because <laughs> we were just talking yeah anyway everyone always speculates but it's you know in most cases these platforms they just know you so well it doesn't matter they know you already because all your inputs never mind watching and listening it's you're doing the inputs you're doing the swiping and the tapping and all that nasty stuff yeah i seen you do it well me i seen you yeah. swiping and tapping i do i do quite a lot anyway so uh Apple continues to double down on the privacy thing here. And in iOS 14, they're going to show you a dot. If at any moment those uh, hardware components get accessed, you're going to see this dot light up. I believe it's going to be green if the camera, if it's the camera and orange if it's the microphone. Am I right about this? A green light will appear in the upper right-hand corner of the screen near the battery power indicator when a camera is activated. And it will be an orange dot if the microphone is turned on, at which point then you can uh, dive into your control center at which point you can see which app has been using that microphone or that camera and you could then disable that access uh. if you wanted to stop it from doing that in the future uh. there was the famous story recently about instagram they said it was a bug but while you were scrolling the timeline it was accessing the camera here and there. they said it was a bug mm -hmm. which is what you do well when you have a software company when you have a tech company everything's a bug yeah you ever screw up oh that was a bug yeah. They're like, but but uh, Mark, you actually uh, wrote it in there in that exact fashion, right in the code there. Yeah, it's a bug. <laughs> yeah, a lot of features. You would know. You've been you were you've been a software developer. You would know. I'm joking. Cheat. No, there's some truth to it. Pe people are over there yelling and screaming at me. They're like, I'm a software developer. I take this very seriously. Bugs are real, and you're absolutely right. Bugs are real. I was joking around. Yeah. Anyway, so you're going to see this dot light up in the top right corner. Willie do show you what it looks like over there. It's iOS 14, it's getting, and, and Apple says, here's Apple's quote, privacy is a fundamental human right, and at the core of everything we do. That's why with iOS 14, we're giving you more control over the data you share and more transparency into how it's used. 
An indicator appears at the top of your screen whenever an app is using your microphone or camera. And in Control Center, you can see if an app has used them recently. Well, how do you know that a developer can disable it? They can very well easily disable it. And then they're kicked Unless out of the app store. They can wide. go live with Epic down the street. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, you're right. A hacker or whoever could then get in there and disable the light, and you're you're trusting the light, so you're always looking yeah. for the light. Yeah. So you see no light. You're like, no, I can't possibly be activated. Yeah, that's why we saw those super private things that have an actual hardware off switch, which disconnects yes. Yes. the components. Physical. Physical disconnection. Look, man, I don't know. Whatever makes people feel warm and fuzzy, Will. Uh, late at night, you know, it's fall weather out there. Uh -huh. It's got that kind of cool temperature indoors. Yeah. And and then you get under the covers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That cozy feeling. Mm -hmm. Maybe you even have a hot beverage beforehand just to get nice and relaxed. Yeah. Maybe there's even a little fire crackling over in the corner there. Yeah. That warm and fuzzy feeling. That's what Apple users get when they see that light go on. They say, that's right. That's Tim taking care of me. Uh-huh. So you can't. I mean, whatever it makes a person feel. Yeah, it is what it is. It's a privacy thing, man. Mm -hmm. It's a big it's a big topic right mm -hmm. now. Qualcomm reportedly are going to do their very own smartphone. Forget about all these other guys think using it, putting our chips, keep buying our chips. We can do this. What's the big deal with this smartphone thing? We make a smartphone. We're Qualcomm. Mm. Everybody wants our chip inside the smartphone. What, the other stuff is complicated? We can't get a screen? Huh? Uh. We can't get an aluminum case for it, huh? We did the easy. hard. We did yeah. the hard part. Yeah, we're Qualcomm. Anyway, uh, apparently they're working on their own Snapdragon 875 powered device, and no, they're not going to do it all by themselves. They're going to team up with Asus, who, by the way, they've done a tremendous job with these gaming phones. ROG. Yeah, these high-end mm -hmm. gaming phones. All the specs. They go to Qualcomm. They say we'll take all the specs. Yeah. And then they slap them in and call it a gaming phone. Yeah. Fine by me. Put a huge battery. Fine by me. Yeah. And so they've worked together closely. In fact, they worked together closely on those plus designs as well, 865 plus, to get the higher end spec inside of those gaming phones where you would want it. So it kind of makes sense that they would team up for this. This might very well be a double branded thing. Maybe Qualcomm sells it under their brand, markets it a certain way, and then maybe Asus goes with the ROG and just they rig it up a little. Put a few edges on it, a couple of cyborgs, call it a day, uh -huh. and call it gaming. It's not bad. So, so they both get the best of both worlds because, you know, to a certain extent, you think about this. I look at those gaming phones, and part of me wishes they t that there was a version of them just with a toned-down gaming styling. Because mm. I might not be able to rip, uh, pull out the gaming phone all circumstances. Yes. I'm catching looks with the side eye. Yeah, with but, this RGB. But I look at the spec list on some of these gaming phones and I'm seeing these tremendous batteries. I'm seeing these tremendous chips inside. I'm seeing the tremendous refresh and I'm saying, I want the stealth mode. Give me the stealth mode gaming phone. Yeah. And so maybe that's what they could do here. A double headed monster. You, you, got, you do all the innovation together. You figure out the internals and then it's just a styling thing on the outside. You, so see all you, the, would, you don't want this? You see all the gaming phones like that? No, <laughs> I mean, it's cool. No, it's cool. It makes for a good video. Yeah. Like it's cool gaming phones. I'm, don't get me wrong for the right audience, but I just I'm thinking there's so many now with the RGB flavor. It'd be cool to see the stealth mode. Maybe yeah. you have one RGB element which you can turn on or off or have it glow white or something, and then the rest is kind of like a matte finish or like something yeah. more stealth. 
the Razer did it pretty well. Yeah, Razer Razer phone was kind of in that in that direction. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, anyways, they team up with uh, with Asus to make this happen. It will not be a run of the mill device, and it really couldn't be because it's going to be one of the first Snapdragon eight seventy five devices that's out there, and it's rumored to debut at Qualcomm's annual showcase December first and second. So uh, that's actually fairly soon. We might catch a glimpse at this. Speaking of catching a glimpse, OnePlus, they just fully showed off the OnePlus 8T design before launch. They're getting carried away with this stuff now. Hmm. They're getting right carried away with this stuff because, you know, they heard me talking over here, Lou, later with the trickle effect. Uh-huh. You know, they follow the show. Now they're getting carried away. They just, this ain't a trickle anymore. You mm-hmm. can't just, you can't give us the whole phone. The next step is actually giving us the phone. Before right here, like it's sitting right yeah. here. Oh yeah, I forgot that part. It's right here. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, <laughs> that's not a trickle. I mean, that's the phone. So, but anyways, this is their new strategy. I've said in the past I don't mind it because it's so uh, l- loud and crowded in the smartphone marketplace now. You kind of almost have to get your stuff out there as soon as you have it because people are considering what they're going to buy next. I mean, we keep talking about this fan edition Samsung. I did the video on. Unbox therapy, I think it's a tremendous value, especially at the $100 discount, which was on it for a limited amount of time. And so maybe they just got to feel like they got to get something out there to let you know you're going to have an option. Now, based on what I've seen of it, it's it's, it's a short video, by the way. I don't know if you want to show some of it. There's a, a link at the top of the article, very top of the article. I think it's the first, second link uh, in, in the text. Posted a video. Yeah, there you go. It's not, it doesn't give everything away. It's a 17 second video. It shows the design inspiration, a couple of drawings, and then it shows the camera module on the back, which looks like a fairly large camera module, by the way, a bigger hump than usual for OnePlus. Uh, Triple camera design by the looks of it, I believe. Yeah, triple camera or quad camera, maybe. There's a small, it could could be one of those. Could that be one of those TOFs? I don't know. Let's see what it says here. the usual strip of three camera lenses, but also the extra camera equipment from top to bottom. Three circles on the right side look like an LED flash, laser autofocus, and a fourth camera lens. So f- four mm. cameras, presumably. Uh, maybe, as is referenced here on the Ars Technica article, maybe why they're bumping the whole thing out is to free up some more space inside for a bigger battery. Because if you remember on the 8 Pro, a lot more of that was embedded. Do I have one? Do I have an 8 Pro sitting over here? I do not have an 8 Pro sitting over there, but I have a lot of other phones sitting over there. Hmm. Anyways, uh, this is a bigger hump than you're used to. This is a hard device for me to interpret right now because the spec list, the rumored spec list is so similar to the 8 Pro. You're curious what is, how are you going to price this? What are you going to do here, OnePlus? Is this, since you're not doing a T Pro variant, is this going to be a value play? Where are you going to price this thing? Because here's a here. Let me give you the rumored specs. Just a quick recap. 6.5 inch, 120 hertz, OLED display, Snapdragon 865, 8 gigs RAM, 128 storage, 4,500 milliamp hour battery, and a higher spec version, 12 gigs RAM, 256 storage, 65 watt warp charge built in. Like, I don't, what are you going to do price wise? Because you got the flagship specs, but we know the market's sensitive right now. Real curious how aggressive they can come with it. Of course, we don't have to wait too long because their event, uh, is on the 14th? Yeah, it's next week. It's on the 14th next week. So we're going to find out real soon. But at least, I guess, now you have a glimpse at it. You can let me know what you think of the appearance. And also, we can see the color, which looks very Nordish. It looks very OnePlus Nordish. Mm. Nordish. See what I did there? Mm. That sounds delicious, doesn't it? 
Uh, I, I don't know. I don't yeah. know. Maybe not. Uh, Epic, they obviously, uh, you know, they bumped into the trouble there with uh, iPhone, with iOS, with Apple. Uh, they're, they're, however, not having trouble with GMC and the auto business. I had no idea what this was going on, but they've, uh, they're so big, Epic. They're working on so much, this un Unreal Engine stuff. It's unreal. This doesn't work at all Jesus. for the audio version. That, uh, I thought you were going to walk out the door, but you. <laughs> I, I just had to let that. That was, that, was a, that was the worst. That was I had to let that. I had to air that out. Yeah, that. That was good, too good much, job. man. I apologize to everybody involved. If uh, Hopefully you're still here after that. That was a terrifying moment in uh, later history right there. Mm. Uh, Epic is developing or they're b building their Unreal Engine software into the upcoming GMC Hummer EV. And they want to do this with more cars. And I love it. I love the idea because, you know, these in-car systems, they're a little, they can be a little laggy. They can be a, a letdown in certain circumstances where you have this really fine piece of machinery, let's say this electric vehicle and, you want the interface to live up to it. You want to be snappy. You want to be video game-like. Yep. And obviously, the expertise is there with Epic for a collab. I want video game visuals in my in-car uh, dash, inside of my software. Everything now on cars and going forward, you, you know this to be true. It's going to be in display. All the various functionalities in one big screen. Hmm. So we really need to be thinking about interfaces. We need to be thinking about the appearance of things. We need to be thinking about the snappiness of it and the layout. And we need software companies, really, to be reimagining what these in-display systems look like. And there's this demonstration here, this uh, demo video of how Unreal is going to interact with uh, in inside of a car. Mm. And, uh, I mean, it looks... This guy's got the... He's got the thing from... Uh, Rocket, Rocket League. League. Yeah, he's got the thing from Rocket League just scrolling around on a huge display. Now you can see how they would also interpret a uh, nice little multimedia interface. That's This is cool stuff, no? Yes, very much so. Yeah. Are you excited, Will? I'm, uh, I'm just wondering how they can um, make it different for car manufacturers, like differentiate. Yeah, well... they would probably have a base system, right? So that's the thing is you just per you provi provide the tools... Right to their developers, they build. They're building on this really robust system, mm -hmm. on this really robust engine, which presumably lets them go in there and configure it with a greater degree of customization without the headache of needing to build from the ground up. Yes, as they have been in the past. So I would assume you would still have tremendous customization available to you. That's what the demonstration seems to indicate. However, you don't need to write the whole thing. Yeah, it's optimized. Exactly, from the ground up. you're in the engine. Yeah. So. Pretty cool stuff for the future of uh, in-car systems. Speaking of the future of cars, Mercedes-Benz is teasing the highest efficiency electric car in the world, over 750 miles of range. That's uh, 1,200 kilometers, Willie Do. That's Beijing to Shanghai, Willie Do. Hmm. You just... Uh, it's in the article. I don't want too much credit. Don't make me walk over there again. Yeah. Don't give me too much Dude, credit. Don't do that. That was freaky. It's a lot of range, and it will break the record. It's the Vision EQXX, 
And at their latest company update, they said it's the longest range and highest efficiency electric car the world has ever seen. Man, that's a big statement. And we don't have too much to go on, but we do have two images of the EQXX concept. And I think, Mm. I mean, they're very vague images, but they're kind of cool. A lot of curves. Very curvy. I like the one on the right. You can yeah, tell, you like the shape. yeah, because you can tell it's a sedan, but it almost has a coupe-like shape to it. I feel like this yeah, is this trails off. that's kind of what they did, tried to do with the Taycan as well. And this is early concept, so it probably won't be so aggressive the styling, but it looks very futuristic mm-hmm. and and aerodynamic. Which for a futuristic vehicle, you you would assume it would have to be aerodynamic. You're going for these because they also stated that it's not just about having a bigger battery, as you might assume. Well. Another uh, big thing here is to improve efficiency. Various new technologies and aerodynamics come into play there as well. Hmm. You want to go 750 miles, you have to have everything working together. Yes. Inside of a vehicle. Mercedes-Benz also announced an exciting next step in electric vehicle development today. The Vision EQXX technology program to build an electric vehicle with spectacular efficiency and range. Uh, Mercedes-Benz tasked its engineering group with pushing the boundaries of electric range and efficiency with a cross-functional, multidisciplinary team based in Stuttgart, which I, you, you know, we brought up before. Mm. If you want a vehicle, German-made vehicle, you might find yourself in Stuttgart. Yeah. Great Supported name. by specialists from the Mercedes-Benz F1 HPP group in the UK who bring expertise in e-motors plus motorsport-inspired development speed. Man, they're coming for Tesla now. Uh-huh. The big boys. The uh-huh. big dogs. Uh-huh. Germany is coming for Tesla now. Uh-huh. It took time. But uh, they want to put down some numbers. They want to make some noise. And you start dropping 750 miles, 1,200 kilometers in range, you're going to get people's attention. Because that is still a thing. General public. General yeah. public wants to know, how far can I go in that thing? How often am I charging? Because yeah. it's a big hurdle for those. I'm not saying for everybody. People who are familiar, they realize, man, I could do most of my life on the electric. It's no problem. But it's a hurdle for those coming from the gas-powered vehicles. Still, they want to know, how far can I go? And then I come along and I say, how about Shanghai to Beijing? And they say, wow, okay, that sounds like something. Yeah, and like the outdoor types, you know, that they want to go camping. Talk about those road trippers? Yeah. Is that you, Will? You ever get out on the road, the open road? Here and there. Here and there. Good for you, man. Speaking of the open road, Amazon's out on that road every single day. They don't miss. If you, man, just take a look around. Those packages, they're flying. Mm. It's a, it's nothing but up for Amazon. Yep. However, up until recently, they've been relying on shipping partners. And then, of course, they got their own drivers. But their own drivers were just booting around in your typical kind of van. Uh-huh. You know, the white van. All your Amazon packages seem to show up in generic type of thing. Well, Amazon, they can't be rolling like that. They're out of Seattle, you know. They got to come with the environmental stuff. They got to come with the electric stuff. Then they go out of their way and they invest, oh, I don't know, something like $700 million in Rivian out of Michigan. And they say, oh, yeah, we kind of like this electric vehicle thing to the tune of potentially eventually 100,000 vehicles for Mm -hmm. delivery purposes. Now, Rivian, their vehicles are not out yet. However... To take this technology that they're going to put into their eventual consumer vehicles and plop it into Amazon delivery vehicles so they can go electric themselves. And we already have, we have a, a now a look at the custom-built EV delivery van by Rivian 
for Amazon. It's got all kinds of tech features, including 360-degree cameras on the outside, various digital displays, larger interior floor space. I mean, these drivers are going to be happy. Yeah. They're trying to get 100,000 of these units. Better nav, cooler place to sit, Amazon branding inside the vehicle, smiley faces everywhere. Yeah, I read that they're going to have a dance floor in there. That's a little much. <laughs> for real. <laughs> Weird, but uh, yeah. Surround taillights for better braking visibility for other drivers. Integrated three-level shelving and a bulkhead carbo cargo compartment separating door. And finally, of course, built-in Alexa voice assistant integration. Mm. So you talk to, you're going to be able to talk to it as well. Yes, it was $700 million that Amazon put into Rivian. Uh, they're obviously invested not just for delivery vehicles, but they're going to take a piece of the eventual presumable, pr presumably the, uh, the success that Rivian will probably experience in the consumer market as well. Uh, they announced last September that it would order 100,000 of these. They're going to start with 10,000 custom va vans on the roads globally in the next two years. And they will have 100,000. They will fill out the 100,000 order by 2030. So you're going to see these on the road, Will. You're going to see these prime vans on the road. Huh. And, and you got to like that Amazon makes it official. Right? You know where your delivery is coming from. You see the driver. It just feels a little comfier than the kind of mm. uh, randomness of it right now. Especially if they roll up in something high tech like that. Yes. So Amazon, Rivian, doing things. Here's another glimpse into the future. Adidas or Adidas. <laughs> is that how it's really I said? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> you know, they came with that 4D soul. We, I think I featured it on the show a while ago. Uh, it's part of their future craft lineup. They're, they're, they're researching the futuristic materials, construction methods, 3D printing, leveling up the run, as you can see here. Uh, they've taken it to a whole another level now beyond just the 3d printed soul and now into something that they're calling future craft strung which actually takes the upper and uses a robot to weave these threads in any direction possible to better encapsulate your foot because your foot cannot be fully received with only strands traveling in a handful of directions. The, those strands better be going in every direction. Hmm. There's no foot like your foot, okay? And that's where Strung comes in. Now, take a look at the robot when you scroll down. It is a... Look at that thing. Huh. It kind of looks friendly, actually, as far as robots go. Futurecraft Innovation, a shoe with an ultra-advanced upper that combines footwear design, engineering, and robotics in equal measures. What sets Strung apart is how it's built. Its fine-tuned top half is made from a new breed of textile that's woven entirely by a proprietary robot. This robot is the only one that can do it. Huh. Person can't do it. Proprietary robot, if you want that. Strung is quite unlike any knit that's come before. Highly advanced robot crafts its upper from midsole to collar. Strung designers and engineers can run knitting simulations before building the shoe, ensuring support in high wear areas and breathability in others. Hmm. Blended together with a 360-degree weave, constructed over 1,000 threads, contours the foot. 
where most knit shoes can only utilize horizontal and vertical lines. 3D, your foot is 3D. And by the way, this is optimized for fast runners, namely ones who can keep a pace of five meters or more per second. So that's no problem for you. Mm. Five meters or more per second. How long do you have to sustain that? I'm tired just thinking about it. Five meters per second. Five meters or more per second. Maybe that's not that much. I don't know. Anyway, I got to work on a running game. Uh, it looks very futuristic. Look at those strands. It almost looks organic. It almost mm -hmm. looks like a thing that that grew mm -hmm. instead and, uh, of a thing that was manufactured. It looks very breathable, which is nice. Mm. Mm. What about the styling? Could you pull it off? Uh, yes. <laughs> Hesitantly. I, I really like the weave. I don't know about the bottom part. Mm. The bottom part, I feel like there's going to be a lot of mud stuck in there. But you can I pull like it gum. off. But you can pull it off. Yeah, with this color as well. I, I would say so. You heard it here. Will can pull it off. All right, last one of the day is a close call. Australian pro surfer Matt Wilkinson narrowly escapes a shark attack. Caught on video, drone footage. He's on the surfboard. This guy's a pro surfer. He's off the coast, 2.5 meters. 2.5 meters off the coast? Wow, he's barely off the coast. What are you talking about, 2.5 meters? Oh, the shark is measuring 2.5 meters off <laughs> yeah, the, the coast. Yeah, the shark would be like right here. Off the coast, yeah. I'm just saying. Okay, that's 2.5 meter shark. That's gonna do. That could do some damage to you. Of course, yeah. That could do a little damage. Oh to yeah. You. Uh, so this guy's just paddling along. You can play. I think you can play the clip. Play a little bit of the clip. I don't know. Oh. Play a little bit of the clip. Uh, you can just scroll forward. So the shark is down below. Starts to come up a little bit. He's paddling along. And pause it here. Pause it right there. Oh, you just missed it. See, it's even too, too short. The bug on his head. Right. You can just, just find the frame right before it takes off. Pause it right here. Pause. So it is fully interested in this guy at that moment. It gets right to about the location of his foot hanging off the surfboard. And then it darts. It just at the last second, right here, bang. It decides, I'm not interested. Yeah. For whatever reason. Now, you imagine, Will, you're the drone operator and you watch. This could, you're recording and you see it in your monitor. There's oh. nothing you can do. Oh. But you see the shark approach. And you realize in that moment, in that split second, this guy could be dragged down. Mm -hmm. What's my game plan? Who am I going to tell? Because as a drone operator, you're the only one who can really see it at that moment. Yeah. You guys start thinking about a plan. Uh-huh. I mean, you got to start with the cops, right? I don't know like, where you... We have where, a suspect. <laughs> shark. <laughs> I think you got to walk after that. I think you got to walk after that one. I think you got to walk. Uh, he says, this guy's been surfing forever, obviously pro surfer. He says... Hey man, I know what I know about sharks. I uh, most of the time they're not interested in bothering with people. However, he's going to take a few days off surfing, as you probably would if you had this close encounter. Uh, it's amazing. It doesn't happen that often, all things considered. Everybody in the ocean all the time. It's definitely not happening every day. Yeah. But to have it caught on camera like that, and to see just how close you were, and to come out of it completely unscathed, not even a nip, not even a drop of blood. You got to be feeling pretty good about yourself to make it out of that one. Yeah. I mean, would you ever go surfing? 
the i mean you would try it right have you tried it no i don't, I don't think i've ever tried surfing in the ocean i've done you know i've been on the thing i'm paddling in there you know i've done all that yeah but never the real i'm on a surfboard and i'm looking oh. for a big wave i'm guessing would this uh deter you the sharks mm. and watching footage like this i don't think so because no because of the rarity of the situation right this guy is out there presumably every day he's a pro surfer yeah so you keep ratcheting up your amount of it, your number of exposures and your potential for interaction obviously goes up mm -hmm. alongside for me it would be a one-time deal and i'd be you know or two-time deal type of thing i i don't think it's gonna it would be turning into a mega hobby for me so it would be something i would try but um but a shark's a shark at the end of the day yeah a shark's a shark being a shark you can't hold it against a shark either no he's just doing his thing he's just a shark being a shark yeah